thing that's so sweet about this worship time when we worship together is, is we come into agreement and we turn away from circumstances and totally turn our focus on Jesus Christ. And what's so great about that is, you know, he, he's, the, he's the answer to every question. He's the solution to every problem. And, and, and boy, but, but, but let me take you to the next level. I mean, Jesus has made us to be sons and daughters of the Most High God, full brothers and sisters of him. In fact, if you allow him to, he will continuously overflow your life with his spirit. And just like this song says here, when we see Jesus as he is, then we'll be like him in this world. Man, what a way to live. If, you see Je if Jesus is without limitations to you, then you'll live your life without limitations. Man, what, what, what a great thing. Praise God. It's so good to worship. Man, we've got to move on with the service. We want to give Karen all, all the time, but why don't you greet the person you're next to? Well, man, we, uh, it, it, it's such a privilege here to have Karen here from Russian Harvest Ministries. You know, uh, at Destiny Church here, we've had an ongoing relationship with Karen for over 25 years. And, and the really sweet thing about that is, as sold out as Karen was to Jesus 25 years ago, he's even more so now. And boy, that's just inspiring. And boy, thanks for being strong, brother. I'm Jill Mel, and I um, oversee uh, Russian Harvest Ministries now since Pete passed away. And um, I just want to thank all of you that have been praying for Ukraine because I've been sending out text messages early in the morning uh, for you to pray and to lift up. And I just sent one out today because Natasha called me this morning, and she was almost in tears because they are going into the red zone, which is our region, which is called Chernigov. And, uh, I mean, it's very... Um, hard because they don't know if they're going to land on a mine because not all the mines have been dug up yet and there have been cars that have blown up as they've been traveling on the roads and so she goes um, just keep me in prayer because this is really hard I'm broken and um, she's kind of scared because they never know if they're going to have a bomb land on them right now um, the other countries have been giving us these um, these machinery that deflects the missiles and and they, they don't diffuse they don't they don't hit their targets so praise God for that because it has been helping just like it did in Odessa some of them were diffused and but some did hit um, the civilians in their apartments and killed many people but anyways I have to tell you this in the midst of all this um, there's some great testimonies and we have this one young man, his name is Bogdan. He went to our Bible school many years ago. And then he left and went back to his church and was involved in his church there. Then he got married, but he got married to an unbeliever. And she didn't want anything to do with Jesus Christ. But he never gave up. And they both decided to go into the service together. So they're serving right now as soldiers in, the, in, in this war. And they were um, outside um, having a kind of a little meeting because he was with all his buddies and he was preaching to them. And his wife was right by there and she's just going, I've had enough of this. And then the bombs came. And one bomb, they were in a grove of trees and a bomb went way off over there on one side of the grove of trees. And then the next minute, another bomb went off on that side of the trees. And then another bomb came and landed right above them and did not explode. And I tell you that he had the greatest chance. He, and he led every one of those soldiers and his wife to Jesus Christ. What a great time to preach and bring people into the kingdom because they saw the miracle of God protecting them in the midst of this. Well, who doesn't want to serve a king like that? Amen? 
And so here's Karen. He's like my, my son. Because, you know, so he's my spiritual son. Yes, praise the Lord. Spiritual son that comes with four kids and a wife. <laughs> wow, it's good to be back here. Thank you, Pastor Steve. Thank you, Trish. Thank you, everyone. It's like I feel like I'm home again, you know. And I was just, when we were worshiping, I just thought, I remember that very first time I was here back in the days when it was, the, the church was called Country Bible. I think it was 1996. 1996-97, I was a student in a Bible school here in Fargo, North Dakota, and, and we were coming here, and one of the, one of the I think it was before Christmas, uh, we came here with Pete, and, and the first time I, I, I met you guys, some of you that were back then, you were still there, and we just realized when we were talking to Linda, that when we met back in Ismail, in my hometown in Ukraine, in 95, I was younger than my older son now, so... <laughs> That's when you hear all these numbers, it's like, whoo, man, am I getting there too? So it's like, but it's good to be back, folks. And I want to say greetings from Pastor Vitali. He asked me to say hi to you and to all of you who remember. He, I think, I believe he was, he was here a couple of times. So Pastor Vitali, our pastor in Odessa, he sends his greetings. And um, yes, it's a sad situation right now in our country. You know, uh, the war is there. The war, it's a, it's a full raging war that it's taking place with all its consequences and i tell you one thing we never thought or imagined that in a 21st century in the middle of europe in an eastern european country we'll end up going through this chaos and dark times like war i mean some some of the stories that we've been hearing it's like like somebody turning tv and i'm watching world war ii movie because those stories were from that you know era from that period of time but this is what's happening right now but I have a great news. You know, I, I keep telling people in this, in, on, on these trips that, you know, we can, fo a lot of people are focusing on a negative part of it. Yes, we can focus on, the, on all the negativity and all the bad things that are happening and all the ugly things that are coming with the war as a consequence of the war. War is demonic. War is satanic thing, you know, because killing people, killing innocent people. Uh, Ukraine over, already lost over 300 children in that war. Innocent children. Just last Saturday in my town, Odessa, where I come from, uh, uh, Jill mentioned about that. Uh, there, were, uh, there were seven or nine uh, rockets, missiles, were launched from the Russia's warship. Two of them were hit by our uh, air defense, but seven of them landed. And several of them landed on the residential apartment buildings. And the one tragedy that really impacted me on Saturday as we were driving to Minneapolis, I was in stoop for two hours because I have a baby too. My youngest daughter is nine months old. Well, uh, one of the rockets hit that apartment building, killing a, f a whole family, the three generation of that family, the grandma, ma, and a three-month-old baby girl. The husband went to the store. He was gone only 30 minutes to get some groceries. By the time he came back, the apartment was gone, the building was gone, and his family was gone. But my main question, you know, yes, it's strategy, it's bad. It's happening right it, it, where that landed, it's 10 minutes away from, from where I live in Odessa, when that, where that rocket landed. But my major concern is right now, do, the, do those people know the Lord? You know, we can give them food, we can give them clothes, but we have to give them Jesus. 
And we've been seeing miracle after miracle since the war started two months ago. In the middle of all these darkest and, 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 and this very, very bad hours of our, for our country, we see that bright of Jesus, the light of Jesus is still brighter than, in, than, than like never before. We see people coming to the Lord like never before. I mean, I'm getting phone calls from my teams and, and some of my friends, pastors. They're saying, Karen, this is unheard of in Ukraine. Uh, I, in 27 years of my ministry, I never heard this happen ever before. That, that you know, other, the church will send people to another churches. Because they can, you know, facilitate. They can accommodate all the people that are coming now to the Lord. The buildings are not enough. The, the, the teams are not enough to take care of all these people. So pastors calling pastors and saying, listen, can you take 30 people from me? Because I got no room, no more room. Can you take 20 people? Can you take 50 people? I mean, that never happened in Ukraine. I don't know, maybe in America pastors do that. But, but in, in Ukraine, in our Slavic culture, that never happened. And I love it because God is still moving. And we can focus on the negative part of the war and all the tragedy and all the pain. Or we can stand and say, okay, we are people with a mission. And we're not going to live as victims. We're not going to live as refugee mentality. We're not going to live with this entitlement that everybody must do something for me because now I'm a refugee and I had to run. No. But we as Christians, we took a different position. So when the war to, came to our country, immediately we were, uh, yes, we had to change our plans. We had to rearrange all our schedules. But we knew that this is the hour. This is the time for us to be on this planet and to be in this right exact location where God wanted us to be and uh, the first day of the war uh, we me and my four children and my wife we left our home uh, we drove into Republic of Moldova which is only about the border with Moldova only about 50 uh, miles from my home and so when we arrived there the next day we set, we set up the uh, headquarters volunteers headquarters for refugees and every day we were receiving from 70 to 90 refugees only in our in our center that's a church building that we actually, a friend of mine is a pastor of that church, and he gave, gave up his church building. He said, Karen, you guys turn it into whatever you wanted for this time because I know how vital and important because when thousands of refugees started coming through the border, they, they didn't have enough place in Moldova to facilitate all these people. They didn't have enough, uh, you know, uh, hotels or dormitories or other places where they can lodge these people. So we turned that church building into like a huge one center where people were sleeping on on the floor, the refugees, mothers with their children, families, Muslim people who were working in our country from Uzbekistan, Tajikistan, Turkmenistan. We've seen Muslims coming to the Lord, I mean, during this crisis, and uh, it was great. And in just in 10 days, we were able to share Jesus with 3,000 people. Only in that one little church building. And our goal was not only to feed these people, to facilitate them for a day or two. Most of the people needed accommodation for, two, for one to, to three days. Because a lot of refugees were continuing their journey into the East, West European countries. So, but, and we were not only giving them food and all the necessary supplies that they need. Because most of these people ran for their lives bringing nothing. You know, some of them didn't even have time to grab their passports. And so, but the most important, the most, you know, the greatest thing, the beauty of it, of it all, what I've seen, how Jesus was saving these people. Because me and my team, we would go into every room where those refugees will, will live or stay, and we would come and share with them about the love of God. And we would say that there's hope. There's a, there, there's a way out of this. You don't have to give up. Don't throw the towel. Jesus is still loving you, and he's still saving you, saving you. You know, and as we were worshiping, the Lord reminded me this story. And before I uh, 
will proceed with all the testimonies and what God is doing. God reminded me this story, and I believe this, especially for young people, you be attentive to what I'm about to say. I was not planning to say, to share this, but this is what God just gave me during the worship time. This is the story that happened with another young man who was a young man at that time. I don't know, Bible doesn't say what, how old he was, but I think he was a young man just like me and, and some of you guys. And, uh, and uh, his father was a farmer, and he was a farmer boy. And one day his father lost three donkeys. And his father says to his son, whose name was Saul, and he, sends, he sends him out on a mission. He gives him an assignment. He says, there's three donkeys are missing. It's like today you would lose three tractors, John Deere tractors. You know, that's how important was those donkeys for his father if he sends out his son to, uh, to search for them and bring them back home. So Saul and his servant went out on assignment to look for those lost donkeys. And I like what happens here. After three days of searching and looking for those donkeys, they couldn't find. And they come to the point when they were like, they're ready to give up. They're ready to go home. They can't find them. And finally, it says in 1 Samuel chapter 9, from verse 5, Finally, they entered the region of Zuphah, and Saul said to his servant, Let's go home. By now, my father will be more worried about us than about the donkeys. But the servant said, I've just thought of something. There is a man of God who lives here in this town. He is held in high honor by all the people because everything he says come true. Let's go to find him. Perhaps he can tell us which way to go. But Saul's response was, but we don't know, we don't have anything to offer him. Saul replied, even our food is gone and we don't have a thing to give him. Well, the servant said, I have one small silver piece we can at least offer it to the man of God and see what happens. You know, it's a long story. You can read it at home, 1 Samuel chapter 9. But what happened here? The young man with his servant, they were searching those donkeys. They couldn't find them. And he doesn't know what to tell his father because those donkeys were important to his father. Well, you know, sometimes in life we come to those crossroads when we don't know where to turn, what to do next. Because we were searching, we were chasing some dreams, we were chasing some ideas, we were chasing maybe a career, maybe, a, uh, maybe something else, and we can't find it. It's not there, but it's not a reason to be disappointed or to give up. You know, this servant in this story, the servant that Saul has with him, He's re he represents two persons in our life. First of all, number one, person of the Holy Spirit. This servant is the person of the Holy Spirit who stands and when, when, when Saul is about to give up and he says, well, listen, it's, it, let's go home. I don't know. My father will be worried. There's nowhere else to search. The donkeys are lost. Let's go home. The servant stands there and he says, listen, there's a town not far away from here and there is a man of God and whatever he tells comes to pass. Let's go and ask of him. You know, that's the Holy Spirit in our life who is speaking when we don't know where to turn, when we don't know what to do, when we don't know who to marry, what college to go, what education to choose, what profession to follow in our lives. You know, what, and the most important, how to dedicate our life to Jesus for 100%. That's when the Holy Spirit, that's when we need the Holy Spirit in our life like never before. And I believe in this time and age we are living, folks, we need to listen to the Holy Spirit. Because there are all kinds of voices out there sowing doubt, fear, and all kinds of negative things into our hands. And it's so important to have the servant of the Holy, the person of the Holy Spirit, who will like in this story turn to you and say, don't give up. Let's not go home yet. 
There's a man of God. And the man of, referring to the man of God, how can we apply it to our days? That's the word of God. That's the prayer closet. That's the worship time in the church and in your prayer closet. That's the time. I remember when I got saved, I was 14 and a half year old. Well, almost 15. And I, when I remember, when I got filled with the Holy Spirit, I, I, that, that experience was one of the most impacting experiences of my life. I would come back from school. I would throw my backpack in one corner, lock my room, and I would not leave that room for three to four hours just praising and searching and seeking God's face, reading His Bible, and then going back into the worship. That, that was happening the first two, three years of my Christian walk, and I was in high school. I was a ninth grader, 10th grader, 11th grader, uh, and I was in high school student, and I didn't care about anything else. I was in pursuit for God. And you know what? And that's why 25, 27 years later, I'm still on fire for Jesus. Because I want to keep hearing Holy Spirit. Because as soon as we begin to hear all these other voices in this world, we will be confused. We'll be like Saul. Okay, I don't know what to do. The donkeys are lost. The father is probably worrying by now. But that servant is there speaking to him. No, no. That's, I got the coin. Don't worry. He says, well, I got nothing to offer to the man of God. Because there was a tradition back in those days. You will not appear before the prophet with empty hands. You have to bring something. But, the, but again, the servant says, it's, it's, it's odd to me that the master didn't have money. But his servant had money. That's kind of, you know, usually works, works the other way around. But in this situation, I believe God put it that, that way to show us in the New Testament that Holy Spirit has everything that you need when you feel like you don't have nothing. Holy Spirit has everything you need. Every revelation, every word, every joy, every peace, He has it. All you need, you just need to accept it. Be open. Stop chasing those donkeys that you've lost. Stop chasing those dreams that, you know, you've been dreaming about. And maybe it's not happened yet. Maybe it's on the, like I call it, on the time, on the time shelf. You need, to put some, you need to put some things on the time shelf and allow God to use you now where you are at right now. Because that's where God called you. And that's where he has everything already provided for you. Paul says in the New Testament, he says, brethren, we, we have no lack in the word in revelation, in a spiritual gifts, in love, in nothing. There is no lack in God's kingdom. And that's why about three months ago, early January, I was praying in my room. And I knew in my spirit the war is coming. I don't want to say that I'm a prophet and the Lord spoke to me and all that. No, I just want to say that I knew the war is coming. I told my wife, I walked out that room and I told my wife, I said, Honey, we need to be ready. There's going to be a war. And... You know, you don't have to be a military expert to realize that nobody gathers 150,000 troops, heavy, uh, you know, artillery, tanks, warships, and all that, and surround you from three sides just to do the exercise, military exercise. You don't need that much, you know, army to do a military exercise. So we knew they, I knew that they're going to attack. So in early January, I told my wife, I said, let's have our suitcases ready to go in our passports in one place because when the war starts, it's going to be chaos, it's going to be panic, and let's keep our tanks full with gas. Because number one thing, where do people run when panic starts? To fill up their tanks, right? And that's what exactly was happening the first day of the war. As we were leaving our house, our apartment building, we saw all the gas stations on our way out of the city were lines of cars. Just to get to the pump, you would have to wait for two, three hours. 
just to get to the pump. But we were, and you know, you get this feeling when you drive by all these little lines of people and you get, I got my tank full. I got Holy Ghost. He speaks to me. I know what I'm doing, you know. And, you know, those, those of you who have, who, have, who have more than one child, anyone here have more than one child? Anyone here that have more than one child, you know how it is, how much time it takes to pack up and go somewhere. With the family, three, four children, you know. So it's, 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 it's a long story. But we were able to leave our apartment when we heard the first bombs exploding about two kilometers from our apartment building. Because about two kilometers from where I live in Odessa, it's a military base. And the first rockets, first bombs were shot at that military base. And it was only two kilometers away. So it was really close. I mean, five o'clock in the morning on February 24, we woke up with my wife. I, rem- I still remember how she was holding our nine-month-old baby with this big eyes. She's like, you were right. They, they attacked us. I said, yes. Because Holy Spirit speaks. We just need to listen when he speaks. Young man, young woman, I want to tell you, Holy Spirit wants to speak to you. Because you're living in the time and age in the United States of America when people need to go back again to these basic things when we learn to listen to the Holy Spirit and not the streaming media on social media and all those other voices that are out there. And then you'll be like Saul. He went, when he left his father's house to go to search for those donkeys, he was just a farming boy. Three days after that, because of the obedience to the Holy Spirit, because the obedience to God's voice and leading, he became the king of Israel. It's up to you. How do you want to go back? How do you want to live your life? You want to go back and stay in the same, in the same stuff, in the same situation, in the th- same thoughts, in the same uh, drama, in the same depression? Or you want to stop and say, all right, I'm going to give it a try. I'm going to follow this God. I'm going to go and search the word from men of God. And maybe my life, my destiny will change. And there's another beautiful thing in this story. While Saul was on the way to meet Samuel, God was already speaking to Samuel about Saul. God is already speaking about you, young people, about every one of you, about your situation to someone. You just need to open your ear, open your heart, and be attentive. Be, be, pay attention when God is speaking. Because in those words, your destiny might be changed. Your destiny are in the word of God if you will receive it and apply it into your life. So we left our home and um, we ended up being in, in Moldova. We lived there for six years from 2011 to 2017. And so that's why it was easy for us to transfer to Moldova because we had so many friends. And that, that center that we set up for the refugees was such a beautiful place to see how God was changing and transforming lives you know in 27 years in ministry i've seen a lot of miracles we've had deaf people hearing we had blind people getting their sight back we've seen people constantly getting out of wheelchairs but until this day there's a, one of the most one of the most greatest miracle that still impacts me is to see how one lost soul from the darkness turns into the marvelous light of jesus that's the most beautiful miracle that you could ever be witness and you know what it's not only for Reinhard Bonnke or Billy Graham or Karen Zelfiman or Pastor Steve. Everyone can be used by God. All of you can be, all of you can see those miracles happening in your life. You can say, well, well you don't know, Brother Karen, we, it's Minnesota. It's a different story. No. God is the same. His Holy Spirit is still here, is, is at work, and He can still use you, whatever you are. Because we are not victims. We are not refugees. We are people with the mission given by God. You can say, well, well, I live in the middle of a cornfield. 
God can send someone on your way and you can give them Jesus. And you know, so after that, I received a phone call from my friend in Romania. That's another, it's another neighboring country to Ukraine, Romania. He said, Brother Karen, I think you should be here in Bucharest. It's the capital of Romania. He said, because we're having now thousands of Ukrainians coming through the border and settling here in Bucharest. And the problem is, you see, Ukrainians, in a lot of the ways, they're like Americans. They speak only one language. Russian or Ukrainian, you know. So, and we're ending up in Romania, in Moldova, because we were part of Soviet Union with Moldova. They, everybody there speaks Russian as well, so there's no language barrier. But in Romania, it's a different story. Romanians don't speak Russians, and Ukrainians don't speak Romanian. And, and in knowing, almost no English. So my friend called me, the pastor from Bucharest, he called me. He said, I think you need to be here with your team because uh, we're having a huge barrier, or language barrier because there's not enough Russian-speaking preachers to bring Jesus to all these refugees and to work with all these people that are coming right now. So I told my wife and a few days after that we uh, hopped into our van and we drove into Romania and we arrived there and the first thing I, uh, I knew that we need this is what we need to do this is vital it's important is to have a place to provide a place for all these refugees to come and worship on Sundays because they got to be uh, they, they, they need to come to church when they can hear the Word of God in their own language and there was no Russian or Ukrainian speaking church in Bucharest whatsoever ever in the in the history of Romania so after meeting one of the local pastors of Pentecostal Church in Romania, uh, he, they own their own building. And I said, you know what? Uh, we, are, we are refugees, yes. We need a place to bring our people to worship. Can you rent us your building from, you know, between the hours of your service in the mornings and the evening? And this pastor goes like, you can have it for free. Don't worry. We'll even buy pizza for all your people. Well, he was thinking that maybe 50 to, you know, 20 people. But first Sunday, we had over 120 people showing up. 70 of them were never ever in evangelical church and they gave their life to Jesus and every Sunday starting from months and a half ago we had people from 70 to 120 people coming to the Lord every Sunday in that new church plant in Bucharest this is I'm talking about now happening so and you know and you know the the beauty of it all, the, like we were singing, Jesus you are so beautiful and Jesus is so beautiful he's so awesome guys he's a real thing you know, the beautiful thing is that, that a lot of those people, a lot of those Ukrainians who end up being refugees and coming to our church meetings there in Bucharest, they would come up later after service or later during the week, they would call me up and say, you know what, I just have to tell you this. If you would have come to me and speak about Jesus before the war in Ukraine, I would probably not even bother and spend my time and listen to all this religious stuff. But now there's something on. Now when we realize that our life is like... It's like a, you know, steam that comes for some time and then gone. It's our life. You don't know whether you wake up in the morning or not. Because some of those people, they fled their homes and next day their homes were bombed. Most of these people, they don't have any place to go back to. Especially people from Mariupol, from Nikolaev, from Chernigov, from Sumy, from Kharkov. All those places that are, some of those cities are gone. Like Mariupol, 90% of the city are, is gone. People don't have place to go back to. But in all that situation, they're... They're finding home in Jesus. We had this one girl. Her name is Ksusha. She's from Dnepropetrovsk. If anyone can pronounce that word, I'm buying you a steak tomorrow in Fargo. Dnepropetrovsk. You want to give it a try? <laughs> so anyhow, she and her husband, who is Israeli citizen, he's from Israel, they end up being in a, at our refugee center in Moldova. 
And, uh, you know, Israel is, you know, Israeli government, they do a good job rescuing their citizens. So next day, the Israeli government sent a plane to, to take home all the Israeli citizens. So, but he has the passport. She doesn't. She's not an Israeli citizen. She's a Ukrainian citizen. And by the time when the war started, her passport was expired. So she didn't even have a valid passport. So what happens is her husband, her husband waves and says goodbye to her and just takes off, goes back to Israel. I mean, I don't know how you can do that. To, if I would have lived my wife like that, that's it. I mean, she would, she would send a hitman after me, you know. That's, I'm gone next day. I mean, I'm dead, you know. But uh, <laughs> no, I wouldn't do that, not because I'm afraid of my wife, but because I love her so much. So anyway, the guy is gone, and she's there. You know, and uh, I, I noticed something about her, you know, that they're not poor people. They're, they have money because she had all kinds of plastic surgery down on her lips and here and there, you know. And you can say, you know, she pulls in the iMac and all that. Uh, I mean, nice old, nice thing. And then she comes up to us and she says, well, since my husband is gone and I have really no place to go here in Moldova, can I stay at your refugee center? I can be a help. I can give you a hand. I'm really good and skilled in connecting people through networks, through social media, through Facebook, Instagram. I'm good in, in bringing people together and creating different networks. And we're like, we need that. You know, we need someone like that. So we said, oh, sure, you can stay. And, you know, and I told my guys, I said, don't jump at her and don't preach at her. Because, you know, sometimes we're Christians when some non-Christian come to our church buildings and they're there for more than an hour. We think, okay, I'm going to preach. Everything from Genesis to Revelation to that person, right? All the revelation I know, I'm going to give it to her. No, I told my guys, no, no, don't do that. Just let's, let's, let's just act. Let's just be ourselves. Just let's love her. Just let's show her the love of Jesus. And, uh, you know, and she, and I could see that she was observing us. She was watching us, you know. And uh, after, the four, after four days gone, she's, there was a meeting, Thursday night prayer worship, worship and prayer time. And she said, can I stay for your worship session? I said, of course. I mean, you, you can't stay. You can do whatever you want. She stayed. She's there, there. And when I was doing the altar call, she gave her life to Jesus. But you know, the interesting thing is after the service, she comes to me and she says, you know what, Karen? I want to tell you that in Dnipropetrovsk, if you would come up to me and talk to me about Jesus, I would say, no, no, no. It's, I'm not into this Jesus thing. I'm not interested. Um, she was a yoga person. She was in all this Eastern, Eastern, you know, Buddha philosophy, all this Eastern philosophies and all that stuff, you know. So she was into that stuff. So, and, um, and she said, but I was watching you guys for four days. You were, you were all working 24-7, but you kept that smile. You kept that face. You kept those happy eyes. And I saw that you're something different about this Christian people. They're not, you know, they're, 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 they're just different. And she said, and I can sense, I can see in four days being with you guys that that Jesus you talked about is so real, is so life. And I turned to my friends and I said, you know, guys, if this whole war situation would have been just for that one soul to come to the Lord, it was even worth it. Yes, it's strategy. Yes, it's bad. But we can look at it differently and see it as an opportunity for harvest time. Amen. And then miracles after miracles were happening in Romania as well. We've seen people uh, giving their lives to Jesus. We've seen families restored. We've seen a situation when a family uh, uh, from Odessa, they were, they were divorced before the war. They were divorced. They were like husband and wife became the, you know, the, the, the enemies. But they have four children. And he cannot leave the country without her giving him a, a, a permission to take kids. 
So he calls her wife and says, well, you know what? It's the war situation. Let's forget about all our disputes and our arguments and our divorce situation. We need to think about our four children. So get in my car. We're driving together because the border police will not let me out if I'm driving alone with the kids. You know, you need to have, because in our country, if the children are under 18 uh, and if one of the parents wants to take their children abroad, the, the one of the parents need to give the uh, permission officially signed by, by, with the you know, government paper issued that you allow to take your children. So they teamed up again in one little car. By the time they got to Moldova and Romania, we met them there. I, I went to the border to meet that family and then bring them to our refugee center. And on the way to the refugee center, I was sharing the love you know, about Jesus. I was, we were talking. And the next few days, we spent with this family just pouring the love of God into this family. Well, by the time they moved on to Poland, they got reconciled. And they came up to me and said, can you marry us again? We want to get together because this whole situation, because the Jesus is so real and so alive. He brought that family that was divorced. They were enemies with each other now, fighting over, you know, real estate, over this and that. Now, even during this situation, God is doing miracles like that. Isn't that beautiful, folks? Let's give God a hand. Let's give God a praise. He is worthy. Amen. And, um, you know, so, you know, in Philippians chapter 1, verse 12 and 14, Paul puts it this way, and I love these verses. He says, and I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. You know, what Paul is basically saying here is that you cannot control what happens to you, but you can control how you frame it. You can control how you enter into the uh, circumstances. Not all the circumstances are under our control. The war, we couldn't control the situation with the war. We proclaimed, we agreed, we prayed, we stood against it in the spirit, but then... Those are circumstances we cannot control. And what happened here with Paul in Philippians, basically, you know, Paul's intention was to go to Rome and preach Jesus to the leaders there, to the city, and that city could become a launch pad to spread the gospel all over the world because Paul realized and understood the importance of the Rome as a center of the world back then. So he knew that he, if he come and meet some leaders in Rome, some key people, then it would become a launch pad for the gospel to the whole world. But... When Paul, Paul, how, when Paul finally gets on the way to Rome, he comes there as a prisoner. He didn't come there as a big evangelist with, the, you know, posters and tents and uh, advertisement everywhere. No, he ended up being there as a prisoner in chains. But nevertheless, he's not whining about it. He's not complaining. He's not saying, oh, God forsake me. What is this happening to me? You know, this is not how I planned. This is not how I scheduled this Rome crusade. No, but he's saying to the church in Philippines, he's saying, I want you to know that everything that happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. And I can identify with this with our war situation. Yes, we could stop and, and kind of lost our confidence and, and be despaired and oh, what are we going to do? And at first it was like that because I'm like, oh no, not a war. Oh, I had such a great plans for this summer. 
You know, I mean, we, we had to do schools of evangelism here and there. And, and, and everything was so nicely planned out. In March, Jena, our, our strongman, the, the guy who does the feats of strength, Jena, our evangelist Jena, in March, he was supposed to come to Odessa. We were planning this, for a long time, we were planning this special school of evangelism at our Bible school for our young people there in Odessa. I mean, and all of a sudden, when this whole war situation, and you have to run, and, and all your team is spread out now in different places, and it's like, Okay, what are we, you know? But Paul says, I want you to know that all that has happened with me here is only for one reason, to advance the gospel. You can say, well, Paul, what are you talking about? How can you advance the gospel if you yourself imprisoned, you are you're in chains, and you got guards, Roman soldiers, guarding you 24-7? What are you talking about, Paul? We don't see big crusades in Rome. We don't see you preaching to crowds of thousands and thousands of people. But... Nevertheless, Paul used every opportunity he had to preach the gospel, even to the guards whose shifts were changing every, from, I don't know, eight, nine hours. But every eight, nine hours, he knew, there's going to be a new guard, and I'm going to share Jesus. There's going to be a new guard, and I'm going to preach to that guard as well. And I don't know, only God knows how many guards, and I'll ask Paul when I get to heaven, how many guards did you lead to Jesus in Rome? Uh, I believe many, but he knew that even dad was helping to spread the good news. Folks, I don't know most of you. I don't know your lives. I don't know what you're going through. But maybe you feel like Paul, that you were planning something, but it didn't turn out the way you were planning. It didn't work out for you the way you want it to be. But nevertheless, don't give up. Use the every opportunity you have to spread the good news about Jesus. Because there's the only cure for this dying world. It's Jesus. And the more I live on this planet, the more craziness I see what's happening in this world, the more I realize and I'm confident that it's only Jesus and there's no other way. Because all the technologies, all these smart things that people coming up, it's still not filling the void inside of their souls. Only Jesus can satisfy this emptiness. Only Jesus can bring this life and destiny and change everything upside down. It's only Jesus. And we have Jesus. And I always say to our students in the school of evangelism, I say, you know, if you don't share about Jesus, if you don't share your faith with other people, it's like a doctor who would find the final ultimate cure for cancer, and then he would just lock it in a safe in his laboratory or in his office and use it only when he, you know, when his closed ones are sick or, or just lock it there and say, well, I'm not going to use it. I'm going to keep it for myself. That's the same way when, when we know Jesus, when we experience His love, His life, His, uh, His resurrection power in us. We can hide it in the safes of our depressions, fears, or whatever we coming up with all these excuses. We got to let it go open. We got to spread this. And this is what Paul is talking about here. He says, because most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. And I've seen this happening now. I've seen people coming to their potential, the Christians, I'm talking about the Christians. Some of those people that I knew back before the war in our church and from different churches, they were just, you know, regular Sunday church, Sunday service people coming on Sundays, uh, good Christians, good folks, tithing, you know, faithful, but they were not living the, in the fullness of their potential. But now the worst situation helped to, for, to, to it was like a la launch pad. It was like a launching point to some people to finally raise up in their potential and begin to speak boldly with confidence the message without any fear. You know, if this world spreads their messages of perversion, of sin, of all kinds of sickening stuff, you know, 
If they don't fear to speaking about all that junk, how come we are so fearful to speak about Jesus? Who brings life, salvation, healing and still restores lives and destinies and puts the families together and turns everything upside down, delivers. We've seen people being delivered even now during the war. What? You see, Holy Spirit even turning Siri on. Even Siri is speaking now. Preach it, brother. Come on, preach it. I, I didn't touch that thing. It starts speaking. You know, even, even Siri is getting filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. All things are possible for God. Can I get an amen? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Well, uh, I want to end this uh, with, uh, with a couple of uh, clips that we have for you. We just want to show you what we're also doing. You know, as you probably know, those of you who sign up for our newsletter, our monthly newsletter, you know that one of our things that we do a lot now in the last few years in Ukraine, it's the food package outreaches where we go into the remote villages. Our heart, as, as same as it was 25, 27 years ago, and I remember when, Pete, when I meet Peter first time and he told me, he said, you know what, I am not for big cities. I am for small villages. My heart goes out for those people that live in those villages out there in the middle of nowhere, but they're still, you know, Ukraine and Moldova are still the countries where a lot of the population live in the small villages. And so we're still going there, but when we saw the need, the need of bringing not only, you know, not only our words, but also bringing some help that would help people to survive the winter time. Especially winter time is, is the most hardest time in our, for our villagers, like for pensioners, handicapped people, lonely elderly folks, single moms raising four, three, five, six children. And those people are barely making through the winter. And we saw that need and immediately we knew in our team, in our ministry, we knew, okay, we're going to be the answer for that need. But not only answering them with bringing food package, because every time I walk into a home or, or, uh, or I visit people with food package in the villages with my team, I always say this same thing to people I say you know what you will consume this food package it'll be gone in two three weeks you know and especially if you have five kids and then they're teenagers the food goes even faster right and uh, but but I said but we come to you today bringing you something even greater than this food in this package we're bringing you the bread of life that will not run dry and they will not run out and that will satisfy your innermost man and will bring you answers to life and give you hope in this life and this hope is is not nameless this hope has name and its name jesus and in the last um i believe 10 years we've been doing now this food package outreaches in moldova and ukraine we've been able to enter in over than 10,000 households and food package gives us an opportunity to come to a village to meet with the mayor and the administration and offer them this aid that we have and through that it's like a back door escaping the, all the orthodox opposition into the village and planting in churches. Because our ultimate goal is not only to bring the food and preach the gospel, to evangelize. That, that is number one. But also our ultimate goal is to plant churches in those small places. And there's numbers of places in the villages where we came. And after doing the outreach, bringing, the, delivering the food package and sharing Jesus, I would ask the people, the local villagers, I, said, I would ask them a simple question. I said, would you guys willing to meet once a week for Bible study? If somebody will come from the city, from Odessa or, or another city nearby where we have a mission base, will come and do Bible study with you? Are you guys willing to meet? And so many times the response was, yes, please 
come send someone we need this we need this life because the way you told us about Jesus it's not the same the priest from the Orthodox would talk about religion and tradition and about you know doing this burning candle to this saint doing this 40 prayers here 65 uh, you know worshiping icons here and there and there's no life in that you know but do you explain the way of Jesus it's so simple it, it's so life-giving it's so it's so hope-giving so please come back and I want you to just uh, visualize what we do for uh, for a minute. Can you turn that first uh, clip on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 not that one, not that one, the other one. This one will be the second one. This one will be the second one. The other one. Yeah, that one. So we come with the team. Sometimes we gather them in one location. And, um, and we just minister to this. Most of the time abandoned people in the middle of nowhere. Who is this guy? Yeah, and this is a short, brief report of what God has been doing through, you know, small ministry like ours. In 2021, we've been able to uh, visit uh, and do outreaches in 79 villages and towns, food packages 620 just in 21, in year of 21. Uh, sent us outreaches 1500, Feats of Strength outreaches 33. Three nations, God is opening doors for us where we can bring the gospel and influence and train people there. It's um, Ukraine, Moldova, and Poland. School of Evangelism, time to go. We did 10 of them, having over uh, 500 young people, teenagers going through our schools of evangelism and going back to their churches and going on fire for Jesus. And we reached over 11,000 people with gospel message and over 3,400 salvations. Praise the Lord. So this is all by God's grace. And uh, so, and you know, we've seen also a lot of miracles happening there because Jesus said, when we go to preach the gospel, he said, you go preach this word and I will make sure that miracles will accompany you. That miracles will confirm what you have to say. You know, just, uh, just before the war, we were in this one village. And the last address that we were given from the local mayor's office is the uh, 83 or 85-year-old babushka. We call them babushka. Uh, she was there alone. She's a lonely lady. She, no kids, no family. She's alone there. In the middle of the winter, no food, no coals, no woods to keep her house warm. So we, we thought, okay, we got some, you know, we got some wood for her, some coals and food. So we came to that address. But then when we started sharing the love of Jesus with her, we realized she's, she can't hear us. Because she says, I can't hear. And we realized she's, she's almost deaf. 
She had a huge problem with hearing. And she doesn't have those, what do you call those things that you put in your ear? Ear aids? Ear hearing aids? She didn't have that. She, she, she can't afford it. And there's no medical insurance in our country. Or her pension is $50 a month. You can't survive in the Ukrainian village, even in the Ukrainian village with $50 a month. So, and we kind of looked at each other, me and my uh, young disciple, Jan, another evangelist. We looked kind of like, okay, what do we do? We don't know the sign language. You know, the body language can get, only get you so far with the 83-year-old lady, you know. So we said, well, God is still healing people, right? He can open her ears to hear the gospel. And the, and the guy that was next to me, Jan, he immediately, he, I, next thing I see, his fingers going into her ears. You know, I usually do it more gently. I just place my hand over her head. He was like, I see half of his fingers that I'm like, man, we got to damage those ladies' ears even, even worse. But you know what? After the short prayer in Jesus' name, when he pulled those fingers out of her ears, we said, can you hear us? Can you hear what I'm saying? She goes like, yes, I hear you. What, what happened? And God healed her right there at the spot. An 83-year-old babushka was not only able to hear for the first time the gospel message, but she gave her life to Jesus. We don't know how much she will live. We know that she probably will never become a part of the church and will not bring her tithe and stuff like that. And a lot, a lot of you know, a lot of ministers, a lot of pastors tell me, well, this ministry is not so prospective because, you know, those people don't come to our churches. Well, but they go to heaven. We give them a chance to get to heaven. Because a lot of these people, maybe we were there and then we found out from the social workers that after you guys visited this and this person, three, three days or a week after that, died and went to be with the Lord. Died and went to be with the Lord. Yes, maybe they didn't live the whole legacy of a Christian walk, but at least they had chance to meet Jesus on the final leg of their life. And that's the beautiful thing. And so I love this food package out, which is, it's so awesome. It's so great. And we've seen so many miracles happening. We've seen the 10% uh, the, uh, of the village coming to our new church plant. We came to this one village. There was only 240 people living in that village. Alcoholism was there just impacted so badly that uh, <clears throat> we couldn't find any sober man. And woman too. But more men. Because the woman of the village told us, huh, we said, where, where are all your men? Where are all your husbands? And they said, well, some of them already dead because of drinking. Some of them are still drunk from the morning till night all day long because there's nothing to do in that village except drinking. So when we arrived to that village, we saw dead bodies of dead dogs, cats laying everywhere. I mean, chaos, you know, the, the broken fences, people like zombies. It's literally like that, you know. It was like, okay, well, God, you got to intervene into this place. We brought, we, that, we brought about 30 or 40 food packages and 30, 40 people, mainly women and children, they came for the outreach. We gathered them in one location. After that, I asked them, would you like to meet on a weekly basis and do the Bible study and find out more how Jesus can transfer your life? Most of these women said, please, come. Because if you guys don't show up and do, don't, do, don't, you, you're not going to do church with us, this, our, our children will inherit the same thing that, that what they see from their fathers. Now it's been almost four years since we have the church in that village. And 10% of, of that village are the church members right now. And some of their husbands went through our rehab center, went back to their village. And now, you know, they're, they're doing okay. They're, doing, they're working on their land. They're buying a cow. They're doing something, uh, but not doing. God is restoring. Amen. So this is the beauty of this outreach. And another video I want to show you. This is what the operations we're running now almost every day sending uh, from Romania 
convoys, I call them convoys of hope. We're sending vans and trucks load up with the food and medical supplies and drinking water into the war zone, into the frontline villages and towns, including uh, Nikolaev and all those villages that are right now on the front line. So just want to show you how we do it. And um, yep, let's go for it. First step, we buy supplies in Bucharest, Romania. And I am so thankful for our Romanian neighbors. They stood out for Ukrainians like I've never seen in my life. So this is the, these are the convoys. We load up the trucks and then we load it in Ismail. These are, I call these guys my heroes of faith. This, this team is amazing. These guys are amazing. They go to the, this is the result of Russian bombs, Nikolaev. Amen. So praise the Lord. And um, the last testimony I want to share with you, can you brought up, bring up those photos with the gospel? Uh, yep, you see the, uh, it's a pocket gospel, New Testament, uh, Gideon's brothers gave us. And a uh, few years ago, my father, uh, my father is a businessman and he owns this sewing company, sewing factory. They make all kinds of clothing, they're mainly for women. But a few years ago, he got an order uh, when this uh, conflict with Russia started about eight years ago on the east borders of our country. My father received an order from the military, from our Ukrainian army, um, and the order was to make, uh, to sew 6,000 uniforms, military soldiers' uniforms. And when I found out about that, I was still in, living in Moldova at that time, and I called my father and I said, listen, Dad, can you ask the people who placed that order for you, would they mind if we put, like, pocket-sized gospel New Testament and Sidrat, you know Sidrat? Yeah, and Sidrat booklets, it's supernatural. And my dad said, well, I got I to gotta talk to these guys. I got to talk to these military guys, and I'll get back to you as soon as I'll have the answer. So he calls me back about an hour after that, and he says, well, Karen, I talked to these people. They said, go ahead, do whatever you want, as long as it's not a cigarette package. So I said, okay, we, we, we're not going to do that for sure. No cigarettes, no drugs in those pockets, only gospel of Jesus. So, and, uh, you know, I called my guys. They brought 6,000 of those New Testaments. Some of them were white, some of them navy blue, and some of them camouflaged. So, uh, and along with the Sidrat booklets, we're sticking in every pocket of the, every 6,000 uniforms. So they went out. So the war started two months ago. One of the soldiers were wearing his uniform, and all this time, that gospel was in that pocket. He never cared about it. Well, he probably pulled it out and, okay, ah, religion, not interested. Put it back. He was in a battle in the trenches. Got hit with the bullet. Can you show the other ones? Yep, yep. The bullet went through the bulletproof vest and stuck in the gospel. I mean, when bulletproof vest cannot protect, the word of God can give you assurance and protection. In Jesus' name, amen. So young people, remember that if you will forget everything out of this message, remember that the Word of God can preserve your life and give you the best future you could ever imagine. And so 
Well, guess what? This for sure drew his attention to the Word of God. So after that, he asked a chaplain. We have one of our chaplains actually ministering in the, in the front lines, chaplain from our church. He asked the chaplain for a new gospel because he wanted to read it now. You know, that, okay, there's got, got to be real, something real about this book. So not only he gave his life to Jesus and started reading the Bible, his Bible, but all his bodies in his company, you know, in the regiment, they all were wondering where can they get those New Testaments and can they start doing the stu Bible studies in their trenches. So this is now in the middle of the war. Amen. Let's give God glory and praise. He's, it's, I love how God works. And this is amazing. So, you know, and I want to finish with the prayer. And, um, you know, I, I mean, I can go on for another week with all the testimonies we got. Because every day I'm getting uh, from three teams that we have right now in operation in Ukraine, Moldova, and Romania. I'm getting reports every day. I don't even have, I told Jill the other day, I don't even have, you know, time to process all these reports. Like this morning, we got a report that our guys went with some aid. And like wheelchair, medical supplies, medical instruments. They went into the, one of the hospitals where they received a lot of refugees, a lot of orphans. And they ministered to the personnel, to the doctors and nurses. And 11 doctors and nurses gave their life to Jesus. Just this morning, as, as we were sleeping in America, our guys were there still doing the work of God. And God is doing this all over the Ukraine right now. And we're seeing the harvest. Churches are growing and uh, people coming to the Lord. And yes, it's all bad. Yes, I wish it could happen during the peaceful time. But I guess it's our human nature. We only start thinking about eternity when, when something bad starts hitting us, you know. But if this is what it will take to turn lives upside down and then bring Jesus, we will do it. In Isaiah 43, the Lord reminds us, He says, Do not think about of old times. Do not consider those days. Those days are gone. And God says, I'm going to do something new. He said, I'm going to bring rivers in the desert. I'm going to make new ways in the wilderness. You know, if you're stuck in something old, if you like Saul chasing those three donkeys and you kept, you know, getting in frustration after frustration. Just stop for a minute in your life walk and ask God, what's next for you? Ask the Holy Spirit to guide you. Like he guided Saul through his servant to the man of God, Samuel. And Samuel already was waiting with the word from God. God already has a word for you. God already has a destiny planned for you. And the way he planned it and designed it is much better than you can ever imagine. When I was 14, 15-year-old teenager and when I first came to Jesus, you know, I was the first one in my family. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I never heard about Bible, never heard about Jesus. My father was my number one opposition because as a business guy, he always wanted me to follow his footsteps because I'm the only son. I have a sister, but, you know, the girls marry, they go. So my father, because I'm Armenian, and in our Armenian tradition, if you're the only son in the family, you stuck with your dad. You can't do nothing. They bring you a wife from Armenia. They'll build you a house. You inherit the business. Your dad tells you what education to get, where to go to study, and all that. You know, so I knew by the age of 13 that my father planned all my life. But something inside of me was not agreeing with that plan. Something inside of me was telling, there's got to be something else. There's got to be something else that I'm called to. I'm not, I don't want to live like my dad wanted me to live. But you know what? The problem was that in those days, there was no one who would come to me and tell me about Jesus. Because Soviet Union, communist, you know, iron wall. No, Christians were in hiding. They were afraid. But then praise God for two young girls from the Baptist church in my hometown on the street. They saw this macho walking like this. 
And they came up to me and said, young man, there's a God who loves you. And he has a plan for your life. And that changed. Those two words, two sentences from the lips of these two young Baptist girls changed my whole life. One word from God can change everything. doesn't matter what you're going through now. What circumstances you have to go. What are you facing right now? What are you chasing right now? Whatever you lost. Just one word from God can turn everything upside down. Let us stand up. <clears throat> Father, I thank you for this opportunity. I thank you to, that you are right now speaking to our lives. You are you're bringing this resurrection power that is resurrecting all our faith, all our hope. And we put it all and we place our hopes and our faith in you, Jesus. Because you are the captain, you are the finisher of our faith, and we keep our eyes on you, Lord. And we thank you, Father, for these wonderful things that you, are, that you have done, that you are still doing, and you will be doing even more than we can think of or imagine, Lord. And I thank you, Father, for this wonderful church. I thank you for the younger people. I thank you for the new generation that you are raising up, Father. I thank you for a generation that will not be ashamed of the name of Jesus. I thank you for the army of young people who would step out there, Lord, in this world and will boldly proclaim the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord. I thank you for that you are bringing something new. Just like you prophesied through Isaiah. That are, days are coming when you will do all new, Father. When you will make a way in the wilderness. And you will spring forth the rivers in the deserts. And I pray, Father, that every believer in you will have these living waters going out, through, out of his innermost parts, Lord. Out of his bellies. Let these rivers just flow, Father. Bringing hope, bringing life into Minnesota, into America, into the, the rest of the world, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name. I pray that this church will be known of people, of a younger generation that will walk as living waters in the middle of all this desert, Father. Bringing those, bringing those rivers and those living waters into colleges, universities, into their schools, into their jobs, Lord, in Jesus' name, and transforming. Lord, we know that you can still transform and change a nation in a day, Father. And we're asking you for that, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. I give you all the glory and praise. And I thank you, Lord, for the peace in my country. I pray, Lord, that this madness, that this evil man will stop. I pray, Lord, that no weapon formed against us will prosper. I pray that no more bombs or rockets will land on residential apartments killing babies and infants and, and families, Lord, in Jesus' name. But I also pray, Lord, that all these people will come to know you, Father, will come to know you in the middle of these darkest hours, Father. They will cry out to you, and I pray that you will, as you commanded us, so that we will pray to the Lord of the harvest to send the laborers out there. I'm praying, Lord, and I'm asking you to send more children of yours, more evangelists, more pastors, more Christians there, more bold people with the message of gospel to proclaim to those who are in need, who are desperate, who are hopeless, Lord, that you are alive, that you still hold everything in control, and that you, only you, can save and rescue those precious souls. In Jesus' name, I thank you, Lord. And I want to briefly, shortly pray for all the you young people. If you're here tonight and you heard me and maybe something is, something is stirring in you, inside of you and you're like, man, I want, to, I, want to, I want to be like this guy or I want to, I want to do something great for God and, and maybe you want some changes in your life, some new level. Just let me know by raising your hand. If any one of you wants something new from God today, right now. Yeah, 
Yeah, don't, don't, don't be ashamed. Yeah, amen. Amen. Come up, come up here real quick, real quick. Come up here. Pastor, let's pray for them. Lay, lay hands on them. Yes? Come on. You know, Jeremiah was a young man when the Lord came to him and spoke to him that you're going to go to the nations and proclaim my word. But Jeremiah said he had one excuse. And that's okay. We all have those. I had my excuses. Jeremiah's excuse was, well, I'm young. I can't talk. I can't speak. I'm young. And, and God said to Jeremiah, he said, don't say that you're too young. Because to whoever I will send you, you will speak my words. And what I will tell you, you will tell it to the nations. And you know what Jeremiah's response was? Send me, Lord. I'm ready to go. Isaiah said the same. Here I am, Lord. Send me. So if you're here today and maybe something inside of you is storing and saying, yeah, there's got to be something more to what you are facing now, to what you, how you're living now. And I'm, I'm going to assure you there is something more for you. It's, uh, it's your time. Back 25 years ago when I met your pastor, I was a young man. He was a young man and still is a young man. But there was something we were, you know, we believe in generational ministry. There was something these men of God, like Peter and, and Pastor Steve and others, were passing on to my generation back then. And now I'm passing it to the next generation. And we have to run with this baton of the gospel. And this is the greatest life you could ever live, guys. I've been doing this for 27 years since I was 15. And you know what? There wasn't a day. There wasn't a minute, a second that I regretted about my decisions back then. And there wasn't a second or a minute when God would have forsaken me. Even though it felt at times like, where are you, God? You know, all my friends making fun of me, all my friends saying, what are you doing, Karen? Come on, you know. It's... But, you know, there wasn't a second when God would leave me or forsake me. I always felt his love, his grace, and his provision, and his mercy, and his power. Amen. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Let's church. Let's pray. Generations. Let's pass something on this generation. Oh, Father, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Lord, we pray that your fire will come upon them, Lord. We pray you are the God who answers with fire and by fire, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that this faith will come alive in them. In Jesus' name. I pray that every young man and every young lady here, Father, will be like Jeremiah, like Isaiah, who will say Lord here I am send me Lord use me Lord in my school among my friends in Jesus mighty name in Jesus mighty name Lord let your spirit come upon them let your fresh touch be upon them Lord in Jesus mighty name in Jesus mighty name we thank you Lord we thank you Lord we thank you Lord we thank you Jesus we thank you Jesus oh I see you you three friends God going to use you strongly, girls. Don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. Don't care what everybody else says. Just talk about Jesus. As soon as you open your mouth and talk about Jesus, He was going to give you such insights and wisdom you never imagined you had. In Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now it's all up to you. Make up your mind and make a decision. All kinds of hands could be laid on you. But it's when you go back home, when you stay in your room, it's between you and God. When you say, Lord, I want this. I want this for real. I don't want this to be when the preacher comes and does these calls and I just, you know, everybody went, I went too. No, but make it personal. And how you make it personal? When you go back home, just come before God and say, Lord, I, I really want this. I want to live a life you prepared for me. Amen. I did it. It worked. It's super cool. Praise God. Wasn't that good? Yeah. Amen. We appreciate Karen. I want to, you guys can go back to your seat. I want to receive an offering for Karen.
And so everything that you give in this offering will go. We don't take anything out for expenses. So if you really want to bless them, uh, Russian Harvest. Um, but just make the check out to Destiny Church. We'll put all the check money together and give one check. So the ushers, please help me. Uh, if you're giving cash or like a receipt, just slip your hand up in one of these ushers to give you an offering envelope. Otherwise, make the check out to Destiny Church. Praise God. So, you know, like I, I think I told you there's a hand rate raised right here. Um, I think I told you a story about Karen uh, at church when I uh, first, we went to, um, I think we were in, in Ismail, and uh, it was kind of like a, it seemed to me kind of like real low-key. In fact, everybody seemed to be kind of depressed. That's the way, that's the impression I got. Everybody was depressed. And we kind of went through customs, and we came out in this open area there. It was outside. And all of a sudden, I heard this, praise the Lord, brother! I thought, man, that, I don't know who that is, but that does not fit in this setting right now. And it was Karen. And, and so we've had the privilege of working with him in Ukraine for years and, um, and going just, it's just raw evangelism, going to villages where I'm sure in some of those villages never heard the gospel, you know, preached. And it was uh, just go door to door and give a hand out a flyer in announcing the meeting and then having the worship team sing some songs, preach the gospel, give an altar call, people come to Christ, then put a, build a church there. So it's just raw evangelism. And so we feel honored that we can support uh, Jill and Karen and the Russian Harvest Ministry. Uh, Pete gave his life for evangelizing those nations over there and um, actually passed away in, in Ukraine. And um, they've... Jill's carried on and been faithful and and supported the work there. And so we just want to be a part, come alongside her and the team there and support them. So thank you for your giving. Everybody stand. God bless you, everybody. Thank you for coming out. And may you have the awesome week until Sunday. We'll see you on Sunday. God bless you all. You're free to go.